Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined by both Melissa Griffith and Dan Strafford for today's show. It feels like it's been a very long time. Uh, it actually hasn't been that long, but uh, but it's good to have everyone back. So, how uh, Melissa? So how are you? How are you faring on this I, fine day? I, I feel my life moves in at a much faster clip these days. You would think that your life would slow down when you stay at home, but I don't even know where the days goes. Every day feels like 10, 10 years to me at this point. Yeah. So it feels like I haven't seen you in for ages. So yeah. Good to see you again, man. Likewise, likewise, and good to see you, Dan. We we got you back a little bit last week, and this is a sign that you're. It's almost like the. A little hibernation session was needed for everyone just to adjust to the shock. And now that most of us have adjusted, we're kind of coming out in the digital world to say hello to our friends and normalize around our activity. So seems like you're getting closer to that, Dan. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? I think I'm, I'm getting used to it a little bit. I will say yeah. to Melissa's point, uh, I feel like every day is Wednesday. The week just keeps going. There's yes. no, just, there's no stop to it. My kids just found out that their schools will be closed through the end of the year. Mm. So there's a that, lot. which is something. And most likely camps are closed for the summer. So lots of family time. That is, I made the joke that I'm going to make an escape room just to lock them in the room for an hour. So I can get ah. some peace and quiet. Yeah. Uh, but we'll make it work. We're, we're, we're settling down. We're, we're figuring out school schedules and yeah. schedules and live streaming and Zooms. So. Everything. That is for sure innovation, by the way, Dan. I like that idea. I'm going to pass it along to some of my other parents' friends. Nice. With no real answer to it. That's <laughs> and uh, and every day is Wednesday. Does sound like a Bengals song. So you yeah. may want to get those get those lyrics together uh, and figure out how to get that uh, moving. But uh, but part of the return to normal, I think, is getting back to reading up on trend reports and analysts, researchers, friend of the show, hypothetical friends of the show to see what they're noticing and in particular you know how did the how does the pandemic change trends and change behaviors and set us up for maybe an accelerated period of disruption one of the folks that we very we, we get very excited about is mary meeker who does her internet trends report every uh summer we've been tracking that for the last three years it's definitely worth checking out. She used to be at uh, a different firm, but now she's at Bond. And she's really an interesting thinker, does a really great slide work. Her internet trends report is worth checking out. You know, check our back catalog. You can go and find that by look up Meeker report, Meeker, Net, Meeker internet trends report. But uh, interestingly, she just released a report uh, similar in structure to that through Bond that is focused on the coronavirus in particular, COVID-19 and its impact on everything. And some of the stuff is obvious, but it's nice to see the data pulled together in one way in a consistent sort of data viz, bunch of slides, 29 slides, 29 pages, worth a look. And Melissa, we've had you back on the show many times to talk about Mary Meeker. This is something when it came out, you, you flagged it for us. So, so just to begin the conversation, Anything else around Mary Meeker, her report, or this particular report that you wanted to add? I mean, I always, like, Mary Meeker, I love to see her work because she's usually more often right than she is, is wrong on the trends. I, I think what was very interesting is one that they chose to do this bond and the rest of our partners there, they chose to put this report out there to talk about what they were observing 
right now in this what we would all call unprecedented times. I think what was so fascinating to me about it is we're all grappling with it, right? Every organization right now is grappling with this. Every school is grappling with this. Like, where is this world going to go? Mm-hmm. And and what I loved about this report is it it sort of lays out it it puts it in frame of references. So I taught how she talked about shocks and aftershocks mm-hmm. uh, to a market and, and what it will likely do to the system was interesting comparing mm-hmm. it back to the Great Depression, which I know a lot of people are now making that comparison back. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting. And it gives us, in an uncertain world, it gives us some models to follow on yep. what we should be preparing for and how the future would change. And so I think it's a great report, a lot of good stuff in it. It's shorter than shorter than the internet yeah. trends which i'm very excited for when it, it, it comes out again this year but yeah um it, it's still it's a it's a good starting point yeah and lots to get into around all of that and uh, the 29 or so pages and one yeah. of the knocks or one of the amusing aspects of the mika report is that it's typically around somewhere 200 to 300 slides and yeah. mary meeker famously burns through that in like 30 minutes or less yeah. which is kind of like the the lightning round so mary meeker open invite Please, Mary, if you want to talk about trends in education and the internet and digital and all that, we'd love to have you. We'd also, if you can't appear on our show, we'd love to hear you power through this this set of slides because that really is like a media format for folks who want to consume what's happening in the world. So really excited that, that they got this out. And we're going to dive into as much of it as we can on the show. We're also going to try to look at it through the learning lens as we always do on this show. And interestingly, Interestingly, Holland IQ, who we've talked about a few other times, they're like an ed tech analysis firm out of Australia. They put together an interesting pulse check among folks within educational technology and leaders within universities and educational organizations to get a read on how disruptive folks who understand the ed tech market and, and where educational technology is going. So we're going to refer to that a little bit as well. We may come back to that in more depth in the future, but I'd say they're a nice one-two punch and we'll share them both out through our Twitter account at Trending and Ed so that you can sort of breeze along with us uh, if you can. Otherwise, this stuff should still be trackable. We'll try to make it as accessible as possible, but it's nice to have, best case, you would have some of these reports out, uh, particularly the Meeker report, which looks like Axios had access to it too. So that was how we found it. So we'll share out all that information. Hopefully you can browse along. And I, I really like where you were going with a lot of that. Melissa, we'll want to flesh that out. And then Dan, just any top level thoughts as we, we start to kind of digest uh, what Mary's offering us today. The thing that I think she's always done well with her internet trends report is that it's an ongoing study. It's not definitive. It's not ending. It's not, you know, cumulative. It's, it's something that's going to be added to and thought about uh, across time. And I, I think they bring a lot of great statistics to the forefront here. They do, you know, distilling it down to some of these graphs and showing it to us, but then also say, this is really early stages still. We're, we're still all trying to figure this out. So I appreciated that from that perspective. I also think that it's, her presentation is always intriguing to me because you get to see what she thinks is most important out of the mm-hmm. report, right? Like she's able to highlight things. Reading here, I think some of the topics she hits on are very intriguing to me. Zoom being one of them gets its own yep. sort of section. And honestly, it was amazing to see the esports stuff mm-hmm. um, in here because uh, part-time work, hustle gig, we, we've been doing simulations, uh, NBA 2K simulations, and it's gotten views. It's gotten yeah. 800, 900 live viewers, 5,000 views. And that's more than our regular shows used to get. Right, so, right. Uh, the, the, quick, the way we quickly transitioned 
that that global change in the way we do business is really highlighted well in here. And I think education is just as affected and will continue to hopefully learn from those adjacent spaces that have pivoted quickly to new modalities of delivering content. Yeah, it's super interesting on a number of fronts. And we should definitely get into whatever strikes our curiosity or imagination as, as we proceed in the conversation. But I think what you were talking about, Melissa, just around the, the earth, earthquake metaphor, earthquake analogy, yeah. I think it's super interesting because there's the, you're, you're still shook and you're still making sure you're out of the, the, the crazy seismic activity for some period of time around an earthquake. There's aftershocks, there's some risk period around the initial hit. And then you do adjust afterwards. And then cities that are impacted by major earthquakes are never the same after the earthquake. And then unlike an earthquake, which is limited to one geography, this is in some ways the equivalent of earthquake-like impact to everyone across the globe at the same time. So like, you know, commuting patterns, behavioral patterns, like all that stuff is super, super relevant. And I like that analogy. The other one that I was thinking about when, when Dan was just talking is almost the idea of shifting gears. And when you do shift gears as fundamentally as we're shifting right here, how long does it take for the, the new gears to actually click in so that you can sort of operate that way. And also you can, if it's a manual transmission, you can, you yeah. can screw it up a little bit. So Not it is interesting yeah. Yeah, to think about who's ready to shift and then who's ready to kind of be like, okay, this thing shifted in this way. I was already in, moving in this direction. Yeah. A lot of what I see is this is sort of like an accelerant to a lot of trends that were already maybe four or five years out. They're now maybe six to 12 months out or happening right now and how quickly folks can ad adjust to this sort of paradigm shift that just happened is, is super interesting and we should get into the slides no i mean i think what the slides itself right the report itself is interesting to read i think what the the report sort of breeds is like trying to think about which companies were prepared for this, which education companies in particular were prepared for this and which mm -hmm. ones were not, right? Like, and, and what are going to be the long-term ramifications of it, which is what she's also trying to suss out at the end of this report. Mm -hmm. So one of the interesting things is you're right, right? Like the equivalent uh, earthquake happens like within minutes. It just happens and goes. For the fact that this hit the whole world within 90 days, Mm -hmm. It had spread through all but like six countries of the world. And mm -hmm. I would argue it's probably in those six countries that are just not reporting it. Yep. And it's not being there. So the magnitude of how quickly this went, like it like some companies will not survive this. Some yes. like some companies will go on there. Some mm -hmm. companies were prepared for it. Right. And so they will and, and some companies will benefit tremendously for it just by yep. dumb luck. Right. And I think those are, it, it's fascinating to think through that and think through as we're all a, a part of different organizations, where, where will it be? Like, where yeah. will we end up in, in, in this process? Right. Um, and so for me, it is, it is a, it's a fascinating thing to see how Netflix just released their, their quarterly reports, for example, and they are doing phenomenally well, right? Like one of their biggest growth years, but I, I don't know how many people looked at it. They cautioned, no optimism because when the world goes back to work, they expect to see a lag in their business, right? Mm -hmm. at, at that point, right? And that, that's, what, that's what you have to think. What if this, uh, in this time, some businesses will do well, will they do well? Will it have a lasting effect or will it not? Right. Like Amazon, 
is, is going to do fundamentally well here. And a lot of people believe that it will shift. Mm-hmm. the way we consume uh, retail goods, right? Delivery right. will become a much more part of it. And I, I can see that because mm-hmm. it's super freaking convenient. Yeah. Right? And, <laughs> like, and, that's where, and that's where I would kind of maybe go a little more with smart look too. Yeah. Like there are some organizations that, or strategies that were sort of sensing where we would be heading at a slower change rate. And now in light of this forcing function of everyone has to work from home, everyone, if they can, you know, everyone's losing their traditional service economy income. That's a forcing function. That's an interesting one because I think that maybe forcing our economy in the opposite direction that it was moving in some ways. Like there was a lot of pursuing experiences and going to common spaces. Just think about the food courts, like the high-end food courts you see in a lot of urban areas. That model, I think, is, is being forced to pivot. And the predominance of delivery and takeout versus, you know, eating in a restaurant, Uber and Airbnb are in trouble, but Seamless and uh, Grubhub are, are doing well. You know, it is interesting to sort of look at across the different broader industries that are out there. And I think the Mika report starts yeah. to touch on some of this. Who, who got a tailwind through this? And then who, who's, our, who's pivoting into something that may emerge that'll be different? And then who's just not going to be able to respond is 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 an interesting way to look dan you were gonna well i i think the idea of pivoting i still am heading to my local grocery store to do some food shopping probably every 10 days the delivery market up here is completely shut down you can't get a a schedule you can't do anything you go onto some of the third party apps and they're marking things up by 33 45 percent in some places so how are these supermarkets responding how are they thinking about delivery in the future and and how do we assess that and assess what we need versus what we actually want. Right. I think that's been a lot of, personally, as a consumer, talking to my kids, talking to my wife, what, what do we actually need in the house? Mm-hmm. What, what is it that we, we absolutely need? What do we want? What's a nice to have? Mm-hmm. I think, again, as consumers, that has forced, on some of us, that change as well. Mm-hmm. Like what is necessary? What is uh, added on? The Netflix, the Hulus, the, all the streaming apps, do we need all of them? Or are we paying too much for all of these apps? So mm-hmm. from a consumer point of view, I've pivoted as well. Like I've changed the way I, I go about buying things mm-hmm. and the way I engage with some of these places. Still spending too much money on streaming services, still spending too much money on groceries, but, but still at least being mindful of it. So when Mike, you talk about the business side, how are businesses even contemplating the way consumers are changing while they're pivoting at the same time is fascinating yep. to me. And we're all moving so quickly uh, to the point about Netflix. Will they see the downward trend? Same for Zoom. How many free licenses have they given away versus how many you know conversions can they get sometime when this all goes back to normal? How many of those people watching Netflix are school kids mm-hmm. because they're home too? And how many viewers then drop off? It's fascinating. I think this report does a good job of laying out the acceleration of digital transformation, right? Like that, that big push mm-hmm. uh, that has happened and how it's just been hyper accelerated, right? Like mm-hmm. just thrown into this big push and mentioned restaurants. It's transformed, right? It's yeah. transformed. It's not transforming anymore. Like we are now in a digital world. Yep. And that's the whole in IQ report we first read, Mike, if you remember the five, mm-hmm. five ways education would change. One of them was this global stimulus, this global thing that happened that just shook the earthquake analogy, we're there. Mm -hmm. Now, do we go back to some sense of normal, some sense of what it was before? I think we do. But to Melissa's point, the transformation is here. We're living in that. I'm glad you said that, right? Because I think how long we stay in this world will dictate 
how long this becomes normalized versus how, whether we go back or, or not, right? So I think in, in some cases, I actually think companies will sooner be far more willing to work from home because mm-hmm. the trade-off is easy there. Like the productivity hasn't shifted but so much, but like, you know, the cost of buildings will probably be at the trade-off they make. Yeah. I think at schools, I think that is the interesting factor because I, I think kids are still social beings and you, they're still in their formative years and you want them to have that experience. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many people are, are, how much of education when this goes, when we eventually get back to some semblance of life before will actually stay an online business. Yeah. Right. I think what it does, it makes it more willing to deliver some education online versus yes. some in, in person, but it doesn't really actually make it all. Yeah. Online. Whenever we had talked about where the disruption would come in education in the next, say, five to 10 years, we were not looking at K-12 or higher ed generally because they were the slower moving aspects of the educational universe. I think all that's changed now, particularly for higher ed, because I think higher ed is facing more existential challenges through the next year and a half, where like how many parents really want their kid to go to a residential dorm, take on the tuition burden, however they get it paid, versus the corona gap year, you know, which... Brian Alexander, friend of the show, I think his wife coined that. So we got to get the right credit mm-hmm. to his wife who coined that. But, uh, but I do think this, the Corona gap year is a real choice. Yeah. And then there's an opportunity to be maybe pro-social and engaged in a different way in that year. And then also Tarlin Ray, who was on the show recently, was talking about a similar idea is like, what if you're sampling from the best online education in that year, you know, and it's a cross section and you're resourceful about it. I think that's a really interesting angle. And then the related uh, corollary, I think, for K-12, which will still have that childcare component for the workforce, is how many parents decide to take on more of a homeschooling yeah. direction Not me. for the next year. Yeah, I think it's going to- I don't think, very few. <laughs> like, I don't, like, but I think, I think a meaningful proportion, yeah, yeah. A much bigger proportion than we saw previously, and and also how much will schools need to support a blend of some students who are in like could a could a kid be on quarantine for example right so they can't physically go to the class but they're actually fine so they could engage how do you start blending some of those modes of delivery uh for k-12 i think it's going to be an interesting space to to keep an eye on it's almost a blend between homeschool online learning I think the traditional model, you know, I think there's a blend that's going to happen for sure. Right. I think the, the call me glass half empty uh, type person right now, but the challenge I have, right. is for every good experience that somebody is having an online education right now, how many bad experiences are happening. Right. And Mm -hmm. how many of them are going to backlash against something that should be truly innovative. Right. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are stumbling into it right now. That's when I go, it it depends on how long this goes on for what Mm -hmm. the fundamental shift will be, because Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how good we were until you, you watch how bad everyone else is. And so with like, I had a friend tell me like the teacher didn't even know that she can, press a button to see more kids on the screen or that they were even kids on the next page. Right. And and so those kids aren't being called on. And so those kids are having a terrible experience right now in in the zoom class. Right. And if that's the only experience you have before you go back, Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't see the parents loving it. I think it doubles down on that. Just real quick. I want to get you in on this, Dan too, but real quick too, is like the digital inclusion aspect of the conversation is really interesting then too. So like how, 
even if it is a better experience for parents who can afford to homeschool, yep. you know, that's an interesting trend, but that's not, not every parent is going to be able to a work from home so that they could homeschool and, and like B be able to devote that much of their time. Cause that's a lot of time, but it's like working from home, I think has opened up what's permissible for a parent in terms of the norms around video conferencing. I think, you know, we may have been a little bit ahead of the curve. I know Kaplan does a really nice job at that. And I think, you know, Dan, you're a good example of that. I think someone who's worked from home been able to raise uh, your family. But but I do think that's, those changes are super interesting and in how that then intersects with what education is. Because absentee yeah. rates are going to be through the roof in K-12, no matter how you look at it. But but Dan, you were going to, you were going to say something. I, I think those were all great points, Mike. And I, I think working from home has been great for me. Mike was my former manager and I had some leeway to, to do the family stuff and the work from home stuff at the same time. And I think uh, it's becoming a new normal for a lot of people, spreading their work out throughout the day, also finding out that maybe they don't need eight hours to do five hours of work and they can figure that out a little bit differently and spend time with their family. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting about uh, Miss Glass, uh, Glass Half Empty over there was that <laughs> She talked about the student who is on the second page and isn't getting called on. But isn't that the same student who's sitting in the back of the room with their head down and the, the hood on? Like, not necessarily yep. the one-to-one. But that's the problem, think, though, oh, right? I agree, I that agree, is the problem, right? No, What that solves is- for that? What solves for that? Great teachers. And we're still coming back to teachers. Some tra- and some training, too, I think. Right. You know, like experience. You know? Yes, absolutely. And so I, 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 I hear you, and I think... I, I think there are going to be some terrible experiences that parents say, no, for my kids, I need them back in a classroom. They need to be doing X, Y, Z. But I wonder if those experiences wouldn't be too different than the kid who gets lost in the back of the room, uh, who's a middling student and doesn't get the, the education they need because of the teacher that's in the room. For sure. agree with that point. I, I think the, this, this, this may be my bias, so one uh, disclaimer, I do not have kids, so my experience of being a kid is, drawn, is, is what I'm drawing on right now. The kids who sit at the back of the class tend to choose to be at the back of the class. That is, and, and tend to be the ones who are looking to shy away, and a great teacher should pull them out. The difference in that, the, the situation where the technology is what's limiting your ability to access the students who want to be accessed, mm-hmm is right. the fact that the it, it is a limiting factor, right? And so, yes, I think the teachers will figure it out. Like I, I can draw in the corollary of, I saw like my church mass figure it out over the course of using four or five times, they finally yep. figured it out. Not everyone. Some people are still on camera doing things yeah. they shouldn't be doing on camera, especially <laughs> during church time. But I'm not gonna go there. Like that the family is, show, Melissa. The it's family a family show. show. Like, and please, guys, just stay off yeah. camera. It's a great point. Uh, I do agree with you there that those who are seeking to be educated yeah. and lose out because of the te- technology that is a definite concern and one yeah. that needs to be solved for. I'll admit, uh, my daughter's their teacher still struggles with Google Meet and doesn't know if she's seeing everyone and now they've introduced grid view, but some kids are off cat. Like there's a lot of stumbles and it is frustrating. You know, for me as someone who is a digital native that our district doesn't have a plan, at least a a semblance of a plan to roll something like this out. But I think blended to your point about absenteeism, Mike, and Mm -hmm. how are we going to solve for that? I hope that's the conversation going on in school districts across the country. I hope that's a conversation that they're at least thinking we're, we're through triage, right? Mm-hmm. We're through that initial, okay, what went wrong? How do we fix right now? 
I'm hoping there are a lot of people who are taking the time to say, okay, we're through the end of the year. We're going to figure it out. What does September look like right. in these different cases, these different scenarios? Yeah. I think it's also a time where everyone's being forced to be an ad hoc instructional designer. And, you know, I, in some ways I've been an ad hoc instructional designer for 20 years. So I'm, I'm kind of like, Hey, welcome aboard. It's kind of fun. Right. And then I realize not everyone enjoys the, the, the uncertainty, but I do think there is a proving ground emerging. It's a little bit like, you know, the hunger games of online teaching. And I think we are cultivating a new wave of salcons right now. I think there are a lot of hungry, brilliant, digitally enabled, talented people out there who are ready to unlock maybe even against their own trepidation where like, I don't teach digitally, I'm not as good at that, or like no one's gonna watch. I do feel like we're about to see a breakthrough there uh, we're probably already seeing it. It's just we haven't had time to kind of like understand the returns on this first six-week window. But then if you look at it in like, you know, say like six-week windows, you know, by the summer, there's going to be a ton of data from this massive learning lab. And then there's going to be in the top quartile of people who are trying to come up with new solutions. There's going to be groundbreaking work that never would have happened because people won't move so fast. The challenge is the bottom quartile will probably be further disaffected. Yeah. It'll be harder to reach. They'll probably be more directly impacted by the genuine public health risk. So like there's a real risk of, you know, the digitally privileged and the, the, the underprivileged who don't have access to digital. Hopefully there will be more philanthropy and, you know, ways to activate, you know, not-for-profits and, you know, socially responsible corporations that are sort of leaning into to turning that that side of the equation around. You know, digital inclusion was in our finals. We're we're big believers in it as like a trend that is 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 super super relevant. And I think this does sort of bring that very much into light. Melissa, sounds like you want to talk. And also, if we did want to tie this to, to the slides. There's just so much going on and we haven't gotten together in a while. And, we, haven't, uh, and, and, yeah. and we haven't gotten together in a while and I think our opinions have diverged so like, because we haven't been staying as connected. That's fine, that's good. Uh, no, I, I, think it's, I think it's great. We should, we should get in the slides. The, the point I would make, and I think you touched on it at the end, is my, like, I am a firm believer, we all know this, that technology, technology and data is like, it's going to improve our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And my my worry of exactly what you hit on. Right. Like we all live very privileged lives. Like my friends mm -hmm. and I talk about the ivory tower mm -hmm. that I managed to live in. So I'm like, I'm loving working from home yeah. as I sit in my office. Right. And and we each have our own space versus mm -hmm. me sitting in an apartment with mm -hmm. three people. Yep. And then you, you translate that back to the kids. Right. And that's that is my biggest worry. The longer this goes on. Mm -hmm the divide between the parents who can afford to homeschool their kids yep. can afford to get them on zoom versus the kids who are literally sitting at home with no access to education yeah. because they don't have internet is, is terrifying. Yeah. And in a world where we push so aggressively to move online, which I am a big fan of, but mm -hmm. we don't solve the problem of the haves or have nots. Mm -hmm. we're, we're widening the gap. We're further yeah. widening the gap that it's already too wide. And not to mention, you know, special needs like like emotional emotionally yeah. disturbed or, or whatever like if you actually need you know if you're developmentally disabled yeah. like th this really does force a lot of that to homeschooling yeah. when you can dedicate that much of your time but then what happens to the family who 
you know, single parent needs to work who has a, a developmentally disabled kid or, you know, whatever sort of special needs a kid might have, yeah. that, that side of the equation is, is really interesting. And yeah. I'll go one more, I'll go one more point on this because clearly we haven't gotten together because I'll give you my one more rent yeah, <laughs> that I haven't given in a while. Like for like the the concept of a lot of these kids were in school were getting their breakfast and their lunch from these schools. Yep. Yep. Right. Like that that is fosters and helps the education. Yep. I don't even think they figured it out. I one of the things that horrified me very early on, like it feels like five years ago, but it was probably like three weeks ago, was the notion that like farmers were dumping milk. Yeah. Right. Because I was like, supply demand has not shifted for hang these on, products. Hang on, Melissa, did you cry over that? I did. I cried over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah that was yeah. cute. That was, that was cute. cute, right? Anyway, that that is my point, right? The world, like, we're not, we're not. I don't know if the world, like, the economy, the U.S. economy, and the government is reacting to this the way they should, right? To solve some of the challenges we're going to see here and the challenges we're going to see when we go back. But right. let's get back to the report. Yeah, uh, and or, and to that end too, it it is a time where a more entrepreneurial fast, responsive, opportunistic orientation towards the new world that's emerging will be rewarded. In some ways, it'll be rewarded by continuing to stay in business. Yes. You know, so it's no longer a nice to have. It's now, you know, getting back to the Hunger Games analogy, you know, it's like you, you just grabbed a weapon from the pile. You know, if you're not able to equip yourself digitally right now, you, your your health as a human is at risk. And then same thing for an organization. So the digital transformation wave that you were talking about, Dan, like it's going to accelerate. Yeah. It's a forcing function. What happens to the industries that won't be able to cut it? And what happens to the organizations that aren't really ready to pivot is, is going to be a, a really interesting question. And then the other thing that is in here is like, which partners are already ahead in the game so that they're sort of ready to pick up from the needs that are emerging, uh, particularly in education. I think that's your online program manager, management so solutions, yeah. uh, software, as a, software as a service, that ed tech that's relevant to educators and parents. In some ways, this should be a favorable disruption there. And it also will disrupt some of the traditional players you know, I wouldn't be overly confident if I was like a legacy LMS right now that I would just withstand, like if I'm a, a canvas or a blackboard who's yeah. really plugged into the, the current higher ed infrastructure that's out there, I don't know if this is ultimately net beneficial. Maybe it is, but I think it's likely that there will be new innovation emerging that will be more responsive to the fundamentals that have changed. Yes. And some of these bigger organizations sort of the last of ed tech which was probably ripe for disruption may be further disrupted by the next say 18 to 24 months than than we were anticipating thoughts yeah. on that melissa i mean uh, for, for sure right the thing that was uh, i was thinking as as you were going through through that it's not just a for sure some of those companies may survive it depends on how well they pivot new new things would emerge for me it like how we, how we figure out who would survive, how we survive as a company ourselves in the, in the case of Kaplan, uh, is going to be very much determined by how how well we are able to predict the new consumer behavior, mm -hmm. right? And, and what the consumer is going to want next. Because for sure, people are going to be more willing to go online for certain things, mm -hmm. but the 
we've said this, we say this every year, every time we do a trend report, the education industry has got to shift. And I don't think it's as easy as going, what, which is a lot of what we've been doing in the past is online. It's, a, it's like picking up what we do in schools and yeah. bringing it online. Right. I think it's redoing how you use online and offline together yes. that will actually make the, the most relevant change. And it's the companies that figure that out the fastest that, that will work through it. Yeah. I, I think you throw something that I've started reading up a, a bit more on of late about assessment. Like how are we assessing yeah. the learning that's happening at home and cheating and all of those things yeah. obviously come to the top of mind, but also access, right? Access to mm -hmm. the test and the ability to do something online. What I found interesting is some of the good teachers, good districts out there are, are already changing it. They're, they're engaging in a different way. Mm -hmm. They may not ask a multiple choice question anymore. They may say, what did this mean to you when yep. you read this passage or when you heard about, uh, we had uh, Patriot Day up here and my daughter yep. had to do some reading about it, but it wasn't, hey, regurgitate what you read. It was, what do you think the soldiers yep. were thinking during that? Like, so it's, I think that's a really interesting step forward yeah. for that blend you're talking about, Melissa, yeah. the offline, online, trying to connect the two worlds. And I think that's who's going to win. It's yes. not someone who delivers just online, yes. just offline. Yeah, it's, it's get, getting, the, getting the, the recipe right. It's good to yeah. hear that Boston still did Patriot Day even after Brady headed to Tampa Bay. And, and, you know, and, like, Gronk. and Gronk. And Gronk, you know, so I thought they just in memoriam, there would be no, even no activity. Even football and I knew that. There's yeah. some black shawls around here. Let me tell oh you. Oh my why. goodness. Some... But, uh, but Tampa Bay, I like that. That's, that's nice. That's I good. Just, just heard that one. But, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about in this deck. We're not really going to do it justice, but let's each pull a slide to highlight now. Quick round the horn. Uh, I know we all already talked about it, but maybe let's begin just with Zoom. Because I think that if you didn't know Zoom, just their, their oh, unaided yeah. awareness. Everybody knows Zoom now. Like it's, it's not like Zooming, Zoom bombing is a word now. So we should talk about the Zoom bomb, the growth. What, what they highlighted in here was the growth of their daily active users on Zoom, which went from 10, 10 million. million to over 200 million in a really compressed period of time. Truth be told, we're recording this in a Zoom room right now. So like <laughs> Zoom is, is pervasive. The, the valuation of Zoom ha went through a real spike and then a trough as yep. the piracy, ex the, the security issues surfaced. Uh, cyber is another domain that is going to be super relevant to the new world order as everything moves digital. There's more attack surfaces that are opening up. There's more places where bad actors can take advantage of the breadth of the unsecured digital profiles that are emerging. Uh, a lot of people don't even know how to get into a room, let alone do that through a VPN or be thoughtful about their passwords and their security. Not to mention seniors are being thrust into this. So how much opportunism is there around all that? But uh, yeah, Zooms in three months, 20X increase in their daily participants. That, that's like unprecedented, right? In terms of its, its, its growth. It's unprecedented in terms of all the other companies you've studied in the past. That is like crazy. And the question is how much of it will, will survive, right? That's like it's, yeah. uh, I, and I'm for sure they will face a backlash. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's interesting to watch that meet. Google is not standing still, right? Like mm -hmm. Google, I've never seen such fast followers yeah. to get different views yeah. <laughs> in place. And Mi I think Microsoft, that's Mi Microsoft too, like Teams yeah. is, is really interesting. And like yeah. Teams usage, like there was a lift to the entire synchronous 
Yeah. And even async, if you like, whatever you call Slack, which is somewhere between synchronous and asynchronous. Oh, although like, Slack has also Slack launched their own video platform as well. Like yeah. they, they have been uh, using that and they've been innovating that one as well. But so it's, it's, it's like the modern work from home enterprise yeah. software as yep. a service solutions, that whole stack. And then what's interesting is not really purpose built for learning, but a really rich social context to learn within. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting Educause article that I shared, which is making a distinction between online learning and emergency remote teaching. Yeah. Basically saying when you do it right, it's called online learning. And when what we're doing right now is emergency remote teaching. So don't yes. really doesn't really qualify. I think yeah. that's true when you fail, but I think it's it's not understanding where there is some percentage of the emergency remote teaching that I think is genuinely disrupting the and reimagining in a, in a really amazing way like what you can do with amazing synchronous learning experiences yep. and even async too like the idea of like an active intellectual community that is sort of working off each other's ideas and sharing memes yes. and being innovative creative get exposing that at a younger age at someone who maybe isn't in a professional experience yet, but like they actually experience what like a software development collaborative environment would be now. Yeah. That's gotta be a net benefit. Like they, yeah. they understand what it's like. They see their parents working from home and they're like, oh yeah, that's similar to the way I do my yeah. classes. That's really interesting to me. I, I will add one uh, one more point to that and then we should uh, yeah. go on to another slide. Like, yeah. I think the thing that was fascinating for me that I realized about Zoom uh, pretty quickly was the connectedness of, of when we're all stuck at home together, how all mm -hmm. of a sudden, how many how many social like like parties yeah. on Zoom rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. But what's very interesting, to, and I'll, I'll tie it back to education, is that I also was like, wait a minute, I have friends all around the world. Yeah. The experience, regardless of whether they're here, in right. New York with me now or in um or in LA or in in Thailand is mm -hmm. exactly the same right yeah and yeah. so one of the interesting things I think and good use cases of going online is bringing diversity into a classroom yes yeah uh, at, at this uh, present moment right like mm -hmm. we are we shouldn't be constricted by what we can do right now because the diversity if you can bring students from around the world together yeah like it's going to be phenomenal. Like the exposure your kids are going to get is just amazing, right? And well, it correlates, it correlates yeah. directly to the best work, global yeah. universities, global work yeah. offices are doing the same thing. Uh, Dave, you were going to say something. Yeah. Well, I, I think to Melissa's point, it's to, uh, what it made me think about was the other side of it, the instructors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instructors from yes. around the globe, yes. being able to teach a variety yes. of different students and, yes. you know, be able to log on to, uh, you know, a Cambridge class yeah. or, or whatever and, and get a different perspective learning the same thing you're learning here. Uh, so exactly. I thought that was a, a brilliant point. Yeah. Cross-cultural negotiations is a class we all had to take a business school. Right. Like, actually just do it cross-culturally. Let's, yeah, let's and then, go. Like, and then how do you facilitate those <laughs> yeah. connections? Like what platforms yeah. emerge that are more kind of like the, the Tinder of online learning? You know, yes. like, like no joke, like the actual like matching opportunities yeah, yeah, that yeah. are not yeah. geographically limited That'll be an interesting uh, point of intersection. Is it so let's, let's, to say I would swipe left on you, Mike? Is that? Ouch, <laughs> <laughs> ouch. Yeah. But uh, well, how about two more? Each of you choose a slide, and then then we I'm, wrap. Obviously, I'm, we can keep I'm, going. But, I'm uh, letting Dan. I'm letting Dan go next. Well, I, I mentioned it before. The esports one, yeah, uh, I thought was fascinating. Just the, the idea that sports has been canceled for a large majority. You know, there's still some random like 
darts uh, episodes yeah. you can find online, but the idea of NBA 2K and the NHL stuff and FIFA online and mm-hmm. how these guys have really gotten a big bolster. I've talked before that I played Daily Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Daily Fantasy has gone to e-gaming. Like, right. so like a, a CSGO, I don't even know what it stands for, but mm-hmm. you can play Daily Fantasy for it now. And mm-hmm. uh, these are really becoming gigantic things and you see the simulations uh, the fact that mary meeker is quoting from the nba sorry the ncaa subreddit is yeah. kind of mind-blowing for me but what they did they simulated the ncaa tournament and right. people, you know were into it they put brackets in they did all these things these are the things i think were happening in the periphery you know th- this was already emerging yeah. as stuff people like to watch yeah uh, but now people are streaming it i just bought yeah. uh my first gaming system in years to yeah. play uh, the show MLB right. the show yeah. because I can play with my friends on on my headphones. Are you are you streaming on Twitch yet? That's the question. Uh, I, yeah, I just set it up last night. Twitch okay. and YouTube. We're All gonna, right, more to I'm come. So more to come just, from Dan so on that. Yeah, just, yeah. Just to add to that, though, because I don't know if she it, this report came out before they did it. Like I was floored by it. Like I I guess it was Travis Scott is going to going into Fortnite to do a concert, mm, which mm-hmm. is it, like that. That is incredible. First, first of all, I was like, all right, now I'm definitely getting on Fortnite. But then, secondly, like it does, it like move into a virtual world. Like, does this actually accelerate living in a virtual world? Yeah. Right? Where again, like with globalization, now you can meet up again with all your friends from around the world. Right. In in, in a virtual setting, and does that is that enough of a connection? Right. Does that make enough of a connection or do you, how much of the human connection will still be needed coming out? Yeah. And how much does that spike and then yeah. return to previous levels? You know, like yes. how, do, how what happens in face to face and Dan, you know, this separate show just about the evolution of sports in light of this, but like we, we saw like robot fans is another thing that's happening. Like when you go back to, I've heard folks suggest like a single representative fan for each team more as a joke, but like that yeah. would actually be kind of amazing at the same time. But just, as the forcing function, just to be creative. Like we've talked in the past on this show that constraints drive creativity in really interesting ways. And everyone has fewer options now in terms of designing entertainment experiences, designing learning experiences, designing media experiences. There are new constraints that are being enforced by virtue of the the, the stay at home orders and, and social distancing. And I, for one, I'm kind of excited by that because, um, it is a numbers game, but there'll be so much experimentation that the best of the forced innovation yep. is going to be more innovative and we're going to move faster than we would have otherwise. So not to discount the yeah. tremendous human cost and the fact that this is a true tragedy. And thanks again to everyone on the front lines who is sort of leading our charge. One of my favorite things now is the applause every night at seven o'clock, which, which is truly inspirational. And if there were more that we, there are more that, things that you can do and we should all be looking to figure out beyond the applause how do we provide the ongoing support to the folks who are really powering us through this whole thing but that being said like as someone who watches innovation around learning media and the future of work it is exciting because the the rate of change will accelerate through this and if you play with your head up which i plan to it's going to be a really relevant time to be doing what we try to do on this show. So we want to close one more slide, Melissa. So do you have yeah, your... Yeah, I mean, I'm closing with... I'm, I'm closing because I, I don't follow rules well. I'm closing with the closing page. Okay. Uh, it wasn't... Yeah. It was a slide, but that I counts. actually think it was it was, yeah. it was very well done, right? Right. Where 
her, her last part is the world just doesn't end that often, right? We will get through this, uh, and it, but it will be different. And I thought what was really interested in this closing factor was that COVID-19 can make a common enemy around certain things. And I thought mm-hmm. those six points, those six points that she made at the very end were helpful. Like, what will this do as a force and function, right? Against like, modernizing the improving government healthcare, which is going to be a huge topic. And I can yes. have this debate. Uh, with different folks and education, right? And driving right. down lower costs. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll touch on the one that I think is most relevant to us. We, helping people find jobs and training them and best through the skills. Like mm-hmm. in a world where everyone has just had to shift the way they work, mm-hmm. there, was, there was not enough ability to retrain out there, right? And that is something that as we think about how education evolves, like what are we, what are we going to put back out there? And then yeah. the last thing, and I am actually really hopeful about this, I am left my house because, you know, social distancing rules and all, but I've heard that the streets are empty, the earth is doing better mm-hmm. uh, for yes. this. Mm-hmm. And I really hope we don't go back to the crazy lifestyles that we lived before. There's mm-hmm. some intermediate of like understanding what is good and important and being mm-hmm. around your family and yeah. seeing friends and not just the constant drone of everyone doing everything. Yeah. Like I that mean, is I, my hope because I've actually truly enjoyed this time at home. Yeah. I think it's also, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Victor Frankl, a uh, famous existential psychologist, you know, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is basically that you find meaning through suffering not to get yeah. too, too deep about it. But like, I think there is a level to which, we're all forced to reevaluate what is genuinely important to us and then realize that a lot of what occupied our time previously was more like surface delight and yes. sort of the keeping up with the Joneses. There, I think there's a lot of critical evaluation of that now while we're in the throes of this. And I think like soul forging stuff doesn't go away overnight. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff right now that will stay with us for the rest of our lives. Yep. And that part I'm, I'm hopeful about. I'd also love to hear maybe a parting thought from, from Dan Strafford, just in terms yes. of the rotation. We gotta, we gotta share the ball. Cause we also are gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about the last dance later, which is a must see for those of us going through sports withdrawal, which clearly uh, many of us are. Uh, there's a new uh, docu-series about the 90s Bulls, the last season, which uh, we're gonna cover in some more depth. So it wasn't in the Mika report, but it's very zeitgeisty. It is. Be on the lookout for that in the future. But Dan, any, any sort of final thoughts on, on this conversation? Uh, echo what Mel just said, you know, reassessing personally and, and for my family, what's important, what's not. Also, a lot of putting my head down, just trying to get through it when it comes to the day to day. But hopefully that is something everyone's doing. And I think that ladders up to uh, employees doing it in their companies. Like what work do I do every day that matters versus what doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, managers doing that with their, like, and laddering all the way up CEOs and the same for schools. Hopefully mm-hmm. presidents and principals and uh, superintendents are all taking the yeah. time to say, okay, what functionally are we doing right every day mm-hmm. in our old world? What fun- functionally are we doing right today in the new world? And how can we just continue to get better at doing what we need to do to educate and to, to grow minds of, especially, you know, obviously with my kids, Kate, 12 matters most in my world, mm-hmm. uh, but thinking about universities and how can they partner properly with businesses, I, I think growth is such a huge potential right here, just getting it done and getting it done right. Absolutely. Uh, great to have both uh, Melissa and Dan back on the show. Hopefully we get more in the regular rhythm where we're hearing from this group and continuing to bring in outside voices and experiment with some new show ideas as the world has so fundamentally changed. But, uh, but you can count on us to continue to be here on a regular basis, having these types of conversations. We'd love to hear more from our audience. 
engage with us on at trending and ed. You can go to trendingandeducation.com. That's where we're updating our, our shows and continuing the conversation over there. Uh, thanks again to our listeners. Thanks as always to our guests and friends of the show. We'll be back again soon on trending in education.